What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, I'm going to go through my top five FPL tips. Some of these are geared more towards when you're building your game week one squad. Some are more useful for throughout the season. Either way, hopefully they'll help you do better at FPL. If they do and you enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to check out Fantasy Football Hub, who I'm partnered with for this season, make sure you check out the links in the description below. So first up is to practice pay I think a lot of FPL managers don't give their picks enough time to start scoring points. In an ideal world, you would bring someone in and they'd start scoring straight away, but that doesn't always happen. The big question is, how long do you remain patient for if a player isn't performing? Is it one game week, two game weeks, three game weeks? What's the cutoff? Ultimately, there's a bit more to it than that. So I'm going to run through my thought process. I will say, because of the way pricing has been done this year, it's very hard to pick a really bad FPL squad. So most of your game week one squads are going to be pretty decent. And most of those picks are not going to suddenly become awful after a couple of games. So let me give you an example, right? Uh, let's pick a player. Let's go for Saka, okay? Very popular in preseason. He's owned by... 51.5% of the entire game. Reasons for that, he was great last year. We're expecting him to be great again. Arsenal's fixtures are good. There's a bit more to it, but that's, one of, uh, that's a few of the reasons why he's been picked so much. What if he blanks in the first three games that Arsenal have? Forest at home, Palace away, Fulham at home. How long do you remain patient with him? Do you get rid of him straight away? Do you give him one more week, two more weeks, etc.? These are the things that I would think about, right? What do the upcoming fixtures look like? Now, for Arsenal, after game week three, it's Man United at home, Everton away, Spurs at home, Bournemouth away. I would say that those fixtures are all right. Yes, they've got to play Man United and Spurs, but they're both at home. Arsenal attack is strong. Sack is a big part of that. And the other two fixtures are away from home, but they're against weak defences, Everton and Bournemouth. So... Could the fixtures be more ideal? Yes. Are they awful? Definitely not. So fixtures probably okay. Then I would ask myself, has anything significant changed? If Arsenal is still looking good, Saka's playing every game and pretty much every minute. He's still on penalties. He's still in that attacking right wing role. I would say nothing has really significantly changed. Sometimes, especially over a small sample of games, like three game weeks, stuff can happen where maybe Martinelli or Jesus or Odegaard hog all the points. It doesn't mean it's going to continue happening after that. So if nothing significant has changed and the fixtures look good, the only other question to ask yourself is, is the alternative actually a better pick? Because sometimes people get so fixated on having to sell a player, they don't consider that the player they want to bring in might actually not be that great. So if we go back to the fixtures again, let's say you don't like them and you want to get someone else from game week four. Well, you could look at Chelsea fixtures and maybe pick up someone like Raheem Sterling, save yourself 1.5 million. Is he much better than Saka? Well, from game week four, they got Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. Pretty good fixtures. And if he's looking great in the first few game weeks, 
maybe that actually is a good player to bring in instead. So it might not be a case of remaining patient past those three weeks. You might just make that move. But if you've got other stuff to deal with, I would question whether that's something that you have to do. And obviously, we can discuss individual moves as we get into the season. This is just a broad kind of outline of how I'd be thinking about it. But ultimately, most of the picks you make, they're not going to suddenly become awful. And I think right now, you can easily say, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Salah, Haaland, uh, who else? Kane, right? Man United players, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford. If they've got good fixtures, they are just good picks. And that is going to be the case for pretty much the whole season. So unless something significant changes and they start looking awful... They're not going to become bad picks if they've got good fixtures and you can remain patient with them. Obviously, other stuff crops up. Double game weeks, another player might come into form that you really want and you can assess that as you go. But I really would try and give your players that you pick a chance to start scoring you some points, no matter how long it takes if there's no better alternative. So next up is when making decisions to think medium term, about four to eight game weeks in advance. If you think shorter term than that, you tend to lose that patience. You don't give your players enough time to perform. And it's harder to think longer term because so much stuff can happen in between. So you want to try and maximize points in the next kind of four to eight game weeks. There are exceptions to that. For example, when I build my game week one squad, I might think a bit longer term for the goalkeeper position because it's not a spot that I want to use many transfers on. And likewise, if a double game week suddenly gets announced and I haven't got many players from the teams that are playing twice in a particular game week, I might think a bit shorter term about my transfers. But outside of that, I'm always looking like four to eight game weeks in advance. And one thing to kind of mention is season totals. Sometimes people get hung up on how many points a player is going to get over the course of a season, but it doesn't really matter. So to give you an example, if we look at Darwin Nunez at Liverpool and Gabriel Jesus at Arsenal, if I had to say right now who's going to get the most points over the season, I would probably say Jesus, mostly because I think his minutes will be better. There's less competition, I would say, for his spot than there is for Darwin Nunez in that Liverpool team. But if at some point during the season, we come to a spell where Arsenal got like Man United away, Man City at home, Chelsea away, Brighton at home, etc. And Liverpool have got Forrest, Luton, Bournemouth, Everton in a row. And Gakpo's maybe injured. Jota and Diaz keep rotating on the left. So it looks like Darwin Nunez is going to play through the middle for the next four to five games. And they're great. Well, suddenly he's a better pick, even if over the season it's Jesus who you would go for. So that is why I'm saying look over the next four to eight weeks. Anything longer than that is hard to kind of plan for. You should still be looking to plan ahead, though, especially for fixture swings and captaincy. Captaincy has kind of been killed a little bit because of Haaland. But if you are looking for opportunities to go against him, you definitely want to look at what fixtures are coming up. So example, Salah plays Bournemouth at home in game week two. That could be worth a look. One thing that I'll be using this season is the My Team tool on Fantasy Football Hub. So you can put in your team, you get a rating, but then you can go through the game weeks to kind of see how your team is looking. So one thing I use this for, if I can just find the arrow again, is defensive players is there any weeks where they're just looking pretty awful so most of the weeks with Estrepini and Gabriel and Luke Shaw it looks pretty good but for example in game week four Shaw's got Arsenal away so is there a better player that I could have well on the bench I've got Chilwell with Nottingham Forest at home so that looks pretty good but there might be other combinations you've got where you might think in advance about what your trance are, not just for defenders, but also attackers. Is there a week where you think, okay, this isn't actually great for Erling Haaland. Is there someone else I could go for instead? So definitely be looking um, at future fixture swings and captaincy and stuff like that. And ultimately, in terms of maximizing points, if you can, rolling transfers can really help 
One, because it gives you a bit more thinking time. You're giving your players uh, extra time to kind of perform. It's that kind of patience we already talked about. But also it lets you make a couple of moves at once if needed. So it, it kind of just gives you that buffer. So if in a few weeks things go massively wrong and all your plans go out the window, you've got those extra transfers to kind of help with that. So this tip is tailored more towards when you're building your game week one squad, but it could be applicable throughout the season as well, especially around wildcard time. So when you are looking to build your squad, I would say that most of the players should be guarantees. Now, obviously, I cannot guarantee that any player will definitely get points. What I mean by that is a player with a proven track record, good underlying stats good minutes and good fixtures and preferably obviously playing for a good team as well so just to give you some examples right and ignore the squad that i've got here i'm always playing around with different combinations for content but i would say there's quite a few kind of guarantees in here especially in terms of minutes so i would say estrapinian gabriel uh, trent salah and bomo matoma saka harland the ones that aren't necessarily so guaranteed a kind of Wissa, Chilwell with his injury record, Flecken, obviously new goalkeeper at Brentford. Will he definitely start? If he does, will he be as good as Raya? I've got Cliver on the bench as an option for five million at Bournemouth. Will he definitely play? How will he be in the Premier League and stuff like that? They are not guarantees, but most of the squad is made up of players that I would consider those kind of options known quantities is what i've kind of um, called it in the past again look at the first six to eight weeks you don't want to be planning your squad to what's going to happen in game weeks 12 13 14 etc think about defender cover this is where your bench can come in useful so i've already kind of shown you on the my team tool how you can look through and see what fixtures are where but that's especially important for your kind of 4.5 million defenders on the bench so when i look at this squad for example most weeks i can just play Estrepinian, Gabriel, Trent and Chilwell. Longer term though, if I needed someone to cover some bad fixtures, Botman's got great uh, great matches from kind of game week five onwards so that's one reason why i would pick him rather than a player that's got good fixtures in the short term so definitely keep an eye on that that obviously comes back to your planning as well limit the number of punts although i will say fpl is supposed to be fun if you find it fun to have lots of punts in your team then absolutely you should go for it as long as you're one of those fpl managers that won't react badly if the punts all go wrong it's definitely a myth that you need differentials to climb up the ranks you can do that with players that are owned by what seems like everyone so i would say for most people limit the amount of punts maybe go for one to three and i would consider a punt where you're not quite sure how they're going to perform so First name that comes to mind is someone like Nkunku at Chelsea. He's not a all-out punt because we know how good he's been the last couple of seasons. But he's new to the Premier League, new to Chelsea. They've got a new manager. That Right now, they haven't got a massively different personnel to what they had last year. And we're not quite sure how they're going to perform. Now, that's all right having one or two of those players. But if you suddenly have six or seven and it all goes wrong at once, that's a lot of transfers to be made. Or you might be uh, kind of forced into a wild card as well. So I personally would limit the amount of punts. But it is your team. You should do absolutely what you want to do with it obviously trust your picks in the first few weeks just because someone blanks in game week one doesn't mean they have to be transferred out in game week two remember why you made that decision in the first place and try to limit the amount of pre-booked transfers just to give you an example right someone made a comment on a video today 
to say that I should be looking at Sheffield United defenders as a punt just to get rid of later on. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think one of the aims I try and do with these videos is not to put people off the picks they want to make, right? Not everyone's team has to be the same. But I obviously want to give my opinion as well. Now, this was the defender. I think you pronounce it something like Ahmed Hozic, something like that, kind of close maybe. He's got a lot of goal threat. But he is 4.5 million. Now, I personally wouldn't spend that much on a newly promoted side when you can get the likes of Botman and Pau Torres for the same price. But you could look to punt for Palace at home, Forest away and Everton at home and then get rid of him. But I would question whether a 4.5 million defender transfer is one that you want to kind of pre-book. Similarly, a lot of people are going to look at that Chelsea fixture swing in game weeks three and four and want to bring some of their players in and they might pre-book, well, I'm going to get in Kunko, I'm going to get Sterling. But that's two transfers. So much can happen in the first few weeks that you might have other stuff to deal with. So I would try and limit the amount you do. There's nothing, I don't want to say that it's completely wrong to do that. Because sometimes, looking ahead, like I've said, planning for fixture swings, captaincy, and stuff like that, and pre-booking transfers can help maximize your points. But you need to limit the amount of kind of those you do because it can get to a point where you've got too much going on that you want to do and too much that you have to do. So this is always a bit controversial, but one of my tips would be to start using stats if you're not already. And I'm not saying from now until the end of time, you have to make every single decision using stats. You can still watch matches. You can still use the eye test, but they can be handy. One of the ways that I like to use them is to quickly analyze players. So just to give you a few examples, right? I watch a lot of Premier League matches but I cannot watch them all take Gibbs White and Nottingham Forest do you think I watched every single Nottingham Forest game last year definitely not a quick way to analyze how good Gibbs White is at his price point versus other players at that price point is to take a look at the stats similarly I do watch a lot of Premier League games and some Champions League games but I don't really watch many games from other leagues so when Kunku has come to Chelsea and I can see his goals assists and stuff like that but I haven't watched the games one way I can quickly analyze how good he might be is to look at his underlying stats expected goals expected assists and stuff like that and if they look good I can tell that he could be a good option obviously you've got to put context around that he's new to the Premier League he's coming into a Chelsea side where there's been a lot of upheaval and stuff like that so he might not be a great option but the underlying stats tell me there is a potential player there so I do think they're a quick way to analyze players for example right uh, on Fantasy Football Hub they've got all the Opta stats from uh, last few seasons and obviously as we get through the game weeks of this season the new stats will stop, uh, start populating so if I want a midfielder for I don't know let's just say between six and seven million uh, let's just put that there I would go to my custom sorry my custom stats here and I like looking at stuff like um, non-penalty expected goals expected assists and stuff like that so I can then see what kind of numbers everyone has so last season the highest non-penalty expected goals for a player in that price point was actually Barnes at Leicester. So if he comes to Newcastle and he's going to get regular minutes, maybe that's someone we can look at. And I also like looking um, at per 90-minute numbers as well because it kind of puts people on an even keel. So you can kind of look at this. You have to apply, apply context around it. But I find stats really useful as a quick snapshot to compare lots of different players. I would say, keep it simple, expected goals, expected assists, expected goal involvement, which is 
is basically expected goals, expected assists combined, and then expected goals conceded. That gives you an idea of what fixtures are the ones to target. Don't cherry pick. Sometimes you'll see people say, this guy over six game weeks has got great expected goals, but this guy over 12 game weeks has got lots of shots in the box. Compare like for like. If you're looking at shots in the box, which isn't really something I use, but if you are, use it for both players over the same time frame. And of course, apply context. Like what what kind of minutes is that player going to have? What fixtures have they played as well? Someone might have great stats, but they might have just had an excellent fixture run and are about to come into a really bad one. Be careful with small sample sizes. Players can suddenly go on goal scoring runs, but if the underlying stats aren't looking great, not necessarily going to continue. Again, you have to weigh up every, every decision on an individual basis, but that's a general point I would say. And historic numbers are important. I think as soon as a new season starts, people only look at stats from that season. But the last one, two, maybe even longer than that, will tell us how good a player is. So it goes back to that example about Saka. If Saka's underlying numbers are bad for the first three weeks, that's not going to put me off because I know there's a quality player there because I can see the numbers from all the previous seasons. And I think at his age, it's very unlikely that his numbers have dropped off a cliff. It's just that he's probably had a bad three games or something like that. So yeah, I, as you'll know from watching the videos, I do like stats. I don't think it's the only way to make decisions, but I do think it can be very helpful. So this is a really important one, and that is to judge your decisions, not the outcome. Once that deadline passes, you have no control whatsoever over what's going to happen in that game week. And sometimes you're going to make a good decision and get unlucky with the outcome. And that could happen multiple times during a season, and it could even happen game game week after game week after game week and all you can do to react to that is to keep making good decisions so to give you an example right let's say someone starts the season with Trent and Salah now we could debate whether that's a good decision but let's just say they've started with them and they get to game week two they got Bournemouth at home but they want to sell them I would say the only good decision there is to hold on to them because that is a really good fixture if you sell them and they absolutely smash it that was just a bad decision. To hold them is the good decision, unless there's like injuries or stuff like that. If in the game, Salah misses a penalty and Trent gets sent off, that's a bad outcome. But if you look back at it, why did you make the decision? Because they are two class players with a great fixture. Did you get unlucky? Absolutely. And would you make that decision to hold them again? Yeah, of course you would. So therefore, you've made a good decision and you shouldn't judge the outcome. And I'm telling you now, throughout the season, this is going to test your patience a lot. And like I said, all you can do is keep making good decisions and hope you get lucky. And I don't want to get into a luck versus skill debate. There is definitely skill in picking players, fixture swings, stuff like that. But there is an element of luck with FPL. And the, the kind of sooner you accept that, the easier it is to kind of accept the outcomes that will happen throughout a season. So if you made it to the end of the video, thank you very much for watching. My bonus tip, if you want to do well at FPL this year, is to make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. I would love to hit 400,000 before the game week one deadline if not by the end of the season and if you've been enjoying the content throughout pre-season so far there's loads more to come right up until the game week one deadline and then i've got you covered throughout the season as well pretty much every day so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already keep hitting that like button as well that supports the channel really useful for getting the videos out there to more people and then we can get bigger and better and of course if you haven't already checked out fantasy football hub make sure you do if you want to get your team rated it's going 
completely free. Link at the top of the description. And if you want to check out more of the features and the other tools that Fantasy Football Hub have, there's up to 50% off at the moment. And if you sign up, don't win your mini league this season, they will give you your money back. Terms and conditions do apply. The links that you need are all in the description below. Otherwise, I will say leave me a comment below and let me know if there are any other tips that I've missed out. Otherwise, I'll catch you again for another video soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.